It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, let's see, Rich is uh, out of the office again uh, on location today, so here I am uh, by myself. But today is going to be a program that I think you will thoroughly enjoy. I think it'll make everybody think, everybody process where we are in America, where we are in the state of the churches in America, and everything else. Now, you've heard me um, interview Star Parker uh, many times, one of my favorite people. And uh, I learn a lot from Star Parker because she's lived a life that many people have not lived. But I'll tell you what, she found the answer to her problems, the same place we all must do that, that is at the foot of the cross. Now, Star Parker, sometime back, was speaking at Liberty University. Here she was speaking before these uh, thousands of university students, and they were, of course, thinking about preparation for life, what comes next in their life. And Star Parker takes them back and tells them her story. And I'll tell you what, I love it because it covers the waterfront. Uh, Let me tell you, if you're a black American or a white American or you are a Mexican American, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I love Ken Ham when he said, one race, one blood. Absolutely. And when will we get that straight? But listen now, just sit back and enjoy what Star Parker told the students at Liberty University. Here it is. Oh, I feel so at home. I have to just take it all in. And as you saw in my life uh, before uh, what I do today, which is run a policy institute in Washington, D.C., uh, you saw what it was, so you know that um, I used to steal and cheat and lie for a living. So I guarantee you I'm not going to announce that I'm running for any political office because um, I've already promised the Lord that I'm not going to return to those patterns. <laughs> and in fact, what I'm trying to do now is recover our society and recover our culture because I believe that Christians have an obligation to speak into the culture as advocates for biblical truths. And I can guarantee you that in Washington there's very little of that going on. I actually live in Southern California, but I work in Washington, so I spend a lot of my time there. Wow, a lot of Southern Californians out there, huh? Yeah, well, you know, they used to call us Sodom, and they call Washington Gomorrah and joking. And I tell them, well, if we're Sodom and that's Gomorrah, at least in Sodom, we're using our own money, and you can't say that much about the people in Washington, D.C., which is why we need to reform the place. But what we're lacking a lot of in our society today are Christians that understand that they have an obligation to speak into the culture as advocates for biblical truth. And the reason why is because if we don't, people will get lost. You know, America began a journey into secularism about 70 years ago, and we as a society are very lost. Uh, We had a war on poverty in the 60s. We had a war on religion in the 60s. We had a war on marriage in the 60s. And in fact, the war on, on religion, it scrubbed all of our schools from any reference to God, and it weakened our public institutions and opened a door to this culture of meaninglessness that we have today. You know, those of you that were tucked away in Christian college uh, uh, um, uh, schools, young, as a youngster, or maybe even home schools, consider yourselves very fortunate, but you may have an obligation uh, to get on the front line at some point because God hid you away the same way uh, Moses at one point had to get up and go do something about the culture. 
The war on marriage through feminist movement weakened women and it opened the door to this culture of materialism that we're experiencing today. And the war on poverty, it weakened family and it opened the door to a culture of entitlement. And these three wars combined sent our society some messages for three generations that a rule of law and a constitutional order are subjective. You no longer have to believe in absolute truth. So don't worry about any natural consequences that may come from sin because now the social state will provide you with safety nets. That's the lie that I bought into uh, that was ex uh, explained in the video we just saw. So now two too many Americans have gotten lost inside of moral relativism, and especially those that are living on the margins, those that are outside of traditional society uh, that's rooted in a biblical truth, those that perhaps haven't had an upbringing similar to some of yours to where, you know, you are just placed in his covering or under his covering. Uh, those that um, don't have those advantages can get lost. As you notice, I bought all of the lies of the left. I bought that lie that the poor are poor because the rich are rich. I bought that lie that my problems were somebody else's fault. I bought that lie that America was so inherently racist I didn't need to mainstream. And that's one of the reasons, or all of the reasons perhaps, that I started spiraling downhill right into that little dark hole uh, that God saved me from. In fact, now I thank him every single day that he recovered me from myself, that he saved me and that he redeemed me from that deep hole uh, and kept me out of jail jail, because actually um, there were some of the things that I'd done that I did not mention in my autobiography because I'm not sure about statutes of limitations, uh, but my autobiography, just to give you a glimpse in what the video couldn't even tell you, was named Pimps, Whores, and Welfare Brats. Why should a Christian speak into the culture as an advocate for biblical truths? I'd like to discuss with you this morning three reasons. Number one, abortion is not salvation. It is a crime against humanity. So America should not be doing it, nor should America be ex exporting it around the world. <laughs> Abortion may be legal in our society, but it's not lawful to God and it will be stopped. In addition to the moral implications of abortion and its medical and mental complications, abortion feeds into the narrative of victimhood. As, as if women have no control over their sexual impulses, which has lured far too many women into lax attitudes about sexual disciplines, and as a result, marriage has totally collapsed. Marriage rates have dropped from 75% of the adult population in the 70s to 50% today. For blacks, adult marriage rates from that time period have dropped in half to 30% today. Conjugal and sacramental marriage is the capstone of all humanity, and as a result of its collapse, now homosexuality is dividing us and bringing hostility into the public square. All sexual behavior is adult behavior. It should be private. Abortion has deeply hurt us. 68 million dead in 44 years should give us all great pause. God set in order that women are the gatekeepers to sustain a society through reproduction, holders of the biological clock, Manipulate the clock, and it's men that lose track of time. Generally speaking, and the data proves, unmarried men are unproductive men. Unproductive men are promiscuous men, and promiscuous men are dangerous men. One such example of a man is named Kermit Gosnell. Day Gardner, the president of the National Black Pro-Life Union, submitted testimony in our nation's uh, congressional record because in 2013, my organization, Urban Cure, brought a delegation of African Americans to Washington, D.C. We wanted to appeal to the Congress to put penalties in the current law. It's called the Born Alive Infants Protection Act of 2002 because after we saw what 
Kermit Gosnell, the abortionist in Philadelphia, was doing, we thought that it might be about time that that should be illegal with penalties. He was arrested on drug charges, and law enforcement officers went in there and exposed what we now know as a house of horrors. I want to read to you a little bit of the testimony that she submitted to the Congress. I cringed and gnashed my teeth while sitting in an almost empty Philadelphia courtroom hearing testimony after testimony of babies screaming and screeching while being killed by Gosnell and his employees. I heard the gruesome testimony by abortion clinic workers about how Gosnell would deliver fully developed, viable children, then turn them over and cut their spinal cords. Gosnell even joked that one baby was big enough to walk to the bus stop. Then he cut that little boy's neck and tossed him in a shoebox. It was no big deal to him to kill these children, to slash their necks as they struggled, as they strained, as they cried. If that wasn't grotesque enough, he severed off the feet of several babies to keep them displayed in jars on the shelf as if a souvenir. You know, when Day was explaining to us what she saw in the courtroom in terms of why they would have the garbage disposal there, why they would have the toilet there, and why they would have the sink there and many of the other, uh, you know, things that you would find just in a normal uh, bathroom or kitchen, uh, we all got the picture uh, that she didn't see and many of us didn't see because the news media had a total blackout. Continuing her testimony, she said, Gosnell stored the bodies of children in milk jugs and large soft drink containers in juice bottles. 47 babies were found in a refrigerator freezer. They had to be thawed out like TV dinners so that the coroner could determine their first and last moments of life. Incidentally, the same freezer that the staff were uh, keeping their lunch in the refrigerator below. Did any of you hear about this? Did anyone know about Gosnell? This is the question, I want to see hands. Does anyone in here know that this happened in our country just a few years ago? Did our political leaders declare a national resolution to end this horrors in our country? Nope, I didn't see many hands. Barely made the news. It's happening all over this country. Women are being maimed, molested, and murdered in these so-called safe, legal, rare abortion clinics, and we don't hear a peep. America's response? $520 million to Planned Parenthood year after year after year after year after year. The church's response? Silence. The pro-life movement's response? Planned policy. A little ban here, a little ban there, here a little, there a little, everywhere a little, little. You know, in fact, I was just in a meeting closed-door media in Washington, D.C. this past week while they were already starting to make the excuses for why we will not be able to defund Planned Parenthood today, right now. Let's think about this for a moment, the women that went into that clinic, to see these displays of body parts in jars, on shelves, as they're going in to kill what God calls His reward because they're lost. Abortion hurts, and as a result, men and women are being deeply scarred. Morning memorials are the number one growth area at our many uh, crisis pregnancy centers or pregnancy care centers across the country. There are about 5,000 now. I just think more evangelicals should be concerned that abortion destroys human potential. Five years after Dr. King's death, Roe v. Wade became national law, particularly targeting poor women with messages of secularism and government safety nets, abortion being the most deadly of their left so-called safety nets. Just in my community alone, the number of black babies being aborted on average, 1,400 a day, 40,000 a month, 500,000 a year, 18 million since Roe v. Wade. Is it any wonder that our nation's hardest hit communities are drowning in moral madness? The feminist movement was nothing more than the promotion of monism, 
And monism is the elimination of gender binary, and the biological clock stands in its way. Monism is an attack on the creator-created distinction, and its latest sacrament being transgender promotion. Gigi is now the poster child of the transgender debate today. Gigi is a girl, if you haven't heard about this particular case. She thinks she's a boy. So she, he is suing his, her high school to use the boy's restroom. The Bible says that God made male and female. Monism says there is no God. Why should Christians speak into the culture as advocates for biblical truths? Well, number two, because the economic challenges that our nation is facing today are direct result of collapsed ethics and collapsed marriage. The post-civil rights movement answered to black struggle in America, who were the most vulnerable, poor community in our society at the time, pour government money into these communities. We now have safety nets against the natural consequences of sin. In result, government welfare, government schools, government housing, government labor and wage laws, government retirement programs, all of which create the conditions to guarantee the despair and the desperation that we see in our most impoverished communities now spilling out into our general population because the ideas of secular statism are equal opportunity destroyers. Lack of marriage equals lack of family. Lack of family equals lack of tradition. Lack of tradition equals lack of education. Lack of education equals lack of a work ethic. Lack of a work ethic equals lack of vision. The problem is not that we don't have talented people. We have talented people. I could name a few. Simone Biles, uh, uh, since it's Black History Month, let's just name some black ones. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Manuel Miranda, Dr. Ben Carson. No, American ingenuity is doing just fine. And we have iPhones and, and Uber. <laughs> now the problem is that we have created a large portion of our population an environment of secular statism. The concept of redistribution of wealth in and of itself to alleviate poverty has not only violated the scripture, the Bible says don't covet. And socialism is rooted in covetousness. Somebody has something somebody else doesn't have, so we go hire politicians to take it from them. So now it's theft. So you've got us violating two commandments in the scripture through this idea of redistribution, the eighth and the tenth commandment. It's not only violated the scripture, and not only has it violated the concept of private property, an absolute principle of freedom. My granddad had never met the man, but he was uh, one generation out of slavery, and I understand that he had an edict. Do we want to stay free? Then you need two things, property and a gun. which our Second Amendment seems to be always under attack as well. But this concept of redistribution of wealth to alleviate poverty under the guise of social justice has violated the very social structures needed for one to excel and break out of poverty. As money is fungible, it moves. Its nature is to create more of itself, so it travels wherever it can, which is why we have a problem now with money all abroad. But humans are also fungible. We move. Our nature is to create more of ourselves. And without social structure through a moral code of ethics and a rule of law, we will travel wherever we can. What is the nature of sin? Takes you further than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, then it costs you more than you want to pay. The nuclear family. In 1970, 40% of all American households were headed by married couple with children. Today, that number is 18%. The single family. 
In 1970, only 7% of American children live with a mother who had never married. Now, I know you guys are young, so you, don't, you weren't around in the 70s. So you think that maybe things are the way they are and I've always been that way. No, in 1970, only 7% of American children live with a mother who had never married. In 2014, that number was 48%. Births outside of marriage, blacks, births outside of marriage went from 22% in the 60s to 72% today. Whites, from 3% in the 60s out of wedlock births to 30% today eight points higher than where blacks were in the 60s, which is why we're starting to see the social pathologies that we thought were confined to our urban centers out in our suburbs. Hispanics, there was no data in the 60s. They weren't a special interest group to be politically exploited, uh, but they are today. So we have data today. And their out of wedlock birth rates are 53%. You might ask, well, why does this even matter? It might be none of our business. Well, it matters for two societal reasons. Number one, child poverty. According to Ron Haskins at the Brookings Institution, in 2009, the year after our most recent economic collapse, the poverty rate for children in homes with married parents was 11%. The poverty rate for children in homes headed by a single mom in that same year was 44.3%. We have 500,000 children in our foster system, orphans. There are not 500,000 Christians in our society that can help alleviate our pain by adopting up these 500,000 kids. We have 1.2 million households living in housing projects. There are not enough people in our society that can help us fight for vouchers so money can follow poor people to wherever they want to live, even if it's just to fulfill what Titus told us, Apostle Paul told Titus to tell us that the older woman should teach the younger woman how to live and how to love her husband and how to love her children. Well, they don't have husbands, but they have children. If it became natural for them to know how to love them, then why were we instructed that the older women should teach the younger women how to do it? So perhaps we should allow our poor women to move wherever they want to, even if it's in the basement of an older woman who will pour truths into her. The second reason we should be concerned and why it matters is crime. Seventy percent of the youth in our criminal justice system are from single-parent households. Ninety-five percent of the men in our federal prison system have no relationship with their dad. You want to solve the challenges of our criminal justice system? Then we should promote marriage in our society again. The great society of moral relativism and secular statism has had great costs, both human and economic. The federal government now takes 25% of the American economy. You guys should be really concerned about that. You're young. And the money is leaving. And people bought the feminist lie that children are environmental hazards, don't have too many. So while grandmama had nine, mama had five, I had two, lost one of those. It happened all over our society, and so it's going to fall on your shoulders if we don't begin to speak biblical truths into our culture. The federal government now takes 25% of the American economy, forcing the public square to become a battleground of constant conflict. Means-tested federal welfare programs alone are $900 billion annually, a quarter of our national budget. As I've said too many times, because this is the arena we work in at Cure, welfare reform and all related issues, we believe that charity belongs to the church, so we want to get the government out of that business and get the body of Christ back in. And I've said so many times, it's like a car being stuck in the mud, and you've got that one little wheel turning and turning. You've got to shore that one up to get the whole car out. And that's where we are today. In 1960, 
of Americans got more from government than they put in. Today, 60% of Americans get more from government than they put in. Government dependency has seeped into our entire culture, and now we are $20 trillion in debt, with unfunded liabilities of Ponzi schemes at $100 trillion. The third and final reason why Christians should speak into the culture as advocates of biblical truth, because our country will not survive if we don't. Our job as Christians is to work while it's day. And that work in a free country includes having a long-term determination to ensure that our public policy, our laws, reflect God's values. And they are not doing that today, and so we are no longer free. We are not a free people. We can be silent if we want to as the body of Christ, but I believe you as a Christian university or students of such a university have an obligation to take what you're learning here today out into our society and claim the gospel. Proclaim the gospel that God is not mad at us, that he came to reconcile us to himself, that he doesn't count our sin against us, but we have to call it sin. That he loves us, that he died for us, he's redeemed us. The scripture is very clear. If we say we haven't sinned, we deceive ourselves and we call God a liar. But if that we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. People need to know this because people are very lost and we are no longer free. We're no longer free country when the Supreme Court gets to define truth. And those of you that follow the news know that the Supreme Court has been very busy redefining truth, including marriage. There's a truth, sacrament of the Lord. We're no longer a free country when politicians can force Americans to subsidize and endorse vile and destructive behaviors. We're not a free nation. We're not a nation any longer of personal responsibility and freedom. What our founders saw when a political system can engage in what the late and great Jack Kemp called the art of pitting class against class where now we have family against family, friend against friend, neighbor against neighbor, employee against employer, young against old, simply to further a social experiment that throughout history has been proven to reduce mankind to savagery. We are a very lost society right now. We need kingdom builders to get our nation back on track for eternal truths, limited government, open and free markets, and a pluribus unum where many become one. America is an exceptional nation not because we think we're better than, but we're humbled by the fact that many, any, from backgrounds different, from ethnicities different, from religions different, can come into this one country and excel and fulfill our dreams. It's an exception to the rule. Up until that time, before the founding of our great country, if you were born poor, you died poor. If you were born in a certain class, you died in that class, but not here. Anyone from any background, any ethnicity, I'm a living witness that America is very exceptional, and I want to do all I can to preserve that in our history and in our culture. What we should have learned from both slavery and Jim Crow is that force is not an American value. I see nowhere in the Declaration of Independence that politicians have a right to force free people to celebrate lifestyle choices that the Bible declares abominable. No more than should my auto insurance cover my neighbor's tune-up than should my health insurance cover my neighbor's sex life. Not their Viagra, not their sex change operations, not their birth control devices, and certainly not their abortions.
I'll close with this. I'll close with this. Psalm 11, 2 and 3. Look, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow on a string that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what will the righteous do? What can you do? Well, I pray that each and every one of us will leave here today with a new resolve to end abortion and revive marriage. That's one thing we Christians can do. Proverbs 17, 6b tells us that the glory of children is their father. You know, I looked up glory in the dictionary, and the definition in the dictionary, at least for today, before they rewrite that as well. <laughs> Majestic beauty. The height of achievement, the height of achievement of children is their father. Enjoyment, the enjoyment of children is their father. Prosperity, the prosperity of children is their father. Then it went on to say the dictionary, the splendor and bliss of heaven, perfect happiness. I pray that each and every one of us today leave with a fire in our hearts with a fresh commitment to help our culture restore majestic beauty for our nation's children, to help renew them so that they will experience the splendor and bliss of heaven, perfect happiness. Amen? God bless you. Okay, now, friends, uh, you've been listening to Star Parker. Uh, she addressed the student body at Liberty University and I'll tell you this, I am so glad that Bot Radio Network uh, is, is able to bring that message. It really spoke to my heart as I was listening carefully to every word she said. I've known Star for probably 20, maybe even 25 years, and her testimony, and how God has used her, how God saved her, and everything else has been such a blessing all of these years. And I'll tell you this, if we know the Lord, and we are believers, and we cannot work together, and we cannot love each other, and care about each other, and do the right thing, uh, and help other people as well. Well, then Katie bar the door, I guess. Now, the listener comment line, for those who want to let us know what you like, what you don't like, we want to hear from you. It's 1-800-345-2621. This is Dick Bott with another chapter of The Complete Story. As a public service, I'll see you later.